So today we are continuing our series, actually wrapping up our series, Welcome to Earth. And I'm going to let you in on something. All three of these sessions actually are trying to get to this session today. What we're talking about today is kind of the culmination of everything we want to talk about. So week one, week one we talked about... Um, the world that Jesus was born into, right? We talked about the society and the political structure and those things, that, that there was a king, but he wasn't a good king. He was, he was a king who was, who was uh, paranoid and ended up killing his sons and, because he didn't want them to be rivals for his kingship. And he ended up killing a bunch of babies to try to keep Jesus from becoming a king. Because he heard about Jesus and, and, and he didn't want Jesus to take his place. So he killed babies. That's how paranoid Herod was. And that was the world that, that Jesus was born into. This world with a paranoid king who would do anything to keep his power. And then last week we talked about the place that Jesus was born. This little town of Bethlehem. How still we see thee lie, right? This little town... That nothing town that even gets left out when they're describing all the towns in the area. They, they forget to mention Bethlehem because it's so insignificant. But yet that's where God chooses for Jesus to be born. And it wasn't an accident. God had chosen that. We see the references in the Old Testament to the fact that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So it wasn't God was like, oops, Jesus was born in a little town in the middle of nowhere. It was like, no, this is the plan. This is how you know who he is because I, I made this happen. So um, this, is, this is just an example of what the world was like when Jesus came into it. So today we're going to talk a little bit about where Jesus' ministry goes and, and what happens in it and what it has to say to us. So let me pray for us really quick, and then we're just going to launch into it because we're, we're going to go quick, and we're going to go through this, and it's going to be good. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you want to teach us. And Lord, I pray you will open our minds and hearts for the next few minutes that you will be able to show us something that we didn't know before, or maybe that we understand something in a way that we didn't understand it before. Lord, I just pray that you will give us enlightenment, give us knowledge, Give us understanding, give us wisdom today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, when Jesus was born, we've got this ultimate story of like this Christmas night where uh, Jesus is born in the stable and then all these amazing things happen. And so if you look at your blank there, that first blank, when Jesus was born, angels literally celebrated. Angels literally celebrated. Let's read that passage. Um, who wants to read the first passage here? Good catch. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And who's the she? Mary. Mary. Very good. Mary. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Okay, so, so this angel comes and says this. Now, uh, we talked about angels a few months ago, right? And we said some things about angels. Anybody remember anything about angels? Tell me something about angels. Okay, well, they didn't have a gender, did they? They were, we, we, they don't know, we don't know that they're men or women. They, they didn't have to reproduce, so they would be just neutral. Yes. Hmm? They don't have wings. The, the, the angels that bring messages like this aren't described as having wings. There are some that are described as having wings, and they're terrifying. The cherubim and the seraphim. Yes. Yeah, some of them are, the, especially the ones that guard things. They are terrifying creatures with eyes all over and wings and like crazy. Yeah. They also, um, okay. Yeah, they just look like normal. They don't look. They don't. They aren't flashy and and crazy. Now, I I, I can imagine that they they kind of. I, I can imagine them kind of glowing maybe a little bit or, or somehow somehow these guys knew that this was an angel. So it wasn't just like somebody walked up and goes, hey guys, let me tell you something that's happening. It was something that I imagine they were probably in the air to, or the angel was probably in the air, like floating above them. But now when I cut and pasted this passage, I left out the most important three verses. And so they're coming up right here. Keep reading, read these last three. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Great, great. So think about this. Think about this scene. We, we talked about, like, angels are these amazing creatures. They... They have this power about them that they always have to say, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Imagine how life-changing this moment is for these shepherds. Like, put yourself in their shoes just for a second. You're sitting on a, on a hillside. If you've ever slept outside on a cold night on the ground, it's like uncomfortable, right? You never get really into a deep sleep. You, you have that kind of fitful sleep. And even though these guys are used to sleeping outside, like I, I imagine it wasn't super comfortable. And, and so they're out there smelling the, the, the smell of sheep, the sheep scent, which I'm sure is not great. And, and they're there, they're just sitting on the hillside. And all of a sudden, I mean, just picture this. I, always, I, I was thinking this week about it, like, like people that talk about seeing UFOs or something, you know, I was just minding my own business, walking my dog, and all of a sudden this light comes down, right? And so that's what this is like. They're just doing their thing, and all of a sudden the sky lights up with these creatures, these beings, and they tell them this amazing thing that a king has been born, and then they start singing, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, and, and they're singing this, and it, Imagine how life-changing. Those guys were never the same after that, you know? You can't be after you have an experience like that. 
And that's how Jesus is, is introduced to the earth with angels. So even though you've got a king and the earth that's not ready to necessarily receive him, you have the heavenly host that's saying, you don't, you don't get who this is. I also think it's still super amazing, back to last week, that idea that, that the angels come to shepherds. They come to these nobodies in the middle of the night. And, and, and I love that. Just like Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that's a nothing town, he comes to shepherds. And, and think about everybody's nativity scene that you have that celebrates this holiday has at least one shepherd in it. And shepherds were lowly, lowly at this time. They were, they were not highly respected members of society. This was a job that you gave to people that didn't really matter that much. So, so for God to lift them up is amazing. And so Jesus is born, and angels celebrate, and then Jesus starts living through his life. And Jesus' life is amazing. It's covered in four Gospels and, and even flows over into the book of Acts. We know more about Jesus and his life than we do about any other biblical character. I heard a, a, a guy speak who's an expert on Jesus. He studies the historical Jesus, not just the biblical Jesus, but Jesus in historical records. And he just wrote a book. Uh, uh, he's writing a book. It's in process about the historical references to Jesus um, before 1,000. So, so in the first 1,000 years of Jesus' life, he said, as of right now, his book is 5,000 pages long. 5,000 pages long. And he said, he said, this is just, that's what it takes to talk about all the references and all the archaeological evidence that we have for Jesus' existence and that backs up the biblical account of Jesus. And, and there's all these things, even, even of the resurrection, He's talking about all the evidence we have of the resurrection. It's crazy, the amount of evidence. And, and, and people will argue against the resurrection, and they say, oh, that can't have happened. But all they can say is, I don't believe it happened. They can't say there's no evidence for it, because there's lots of historic records that reference it. So you can say, I don't believe it happened, but that would be like me saying, I don't believe that John F. Kennedy was shot because I didn't see it. I, I mean, I've heard references to it, but I don't believe it because I don't believe someone could shoot him in the way that they talk about shooting him. So I don't believe it, right? And so there's a, a lot of reference for Jesus living. And we believe that Jesus lived a very specific life. Look at this. Jesus lived a sinless life. In the Bible, over and over, it talks about that Jesus is the perfect Lamb of God, that he lived perfectly in accordance to what God wanted him to live. We say sin is to miss the mark, to aim for a target and miss it, not do exactly what God wants us to do. But Jesus did at every point, he did exactly what God wanted him to do. He was sinless. Uh, Jesus lived a pure life, a life of purity. He didn't he didn't do anything that would, when I say he is the perfect lamb of God without blemish, without spot, he didn't do anything that would tarnish who he was, right? Jesus also lived a life of holiness. 
So what he was doing on the outside, the sinlessness and the purity, was mirrored by what was inside him. He was holy. He was set apart. And then, last of all, Jesus lived his life in complete obedience to God. So those four things make the life of Jesus different than the life of anyone else on earth. Anyone else. Jesus lived sinless, holy, pure, and obedient to God. And in any story that you would tell, in any, uh, any way, any narrative you'd put together, he would be the hero. He would be the one that everybody looks to and says, I want to be like that, I want to be like that, I want to be like that. But look at your next blank. But people cheered at the crucifixion of Jesus. Who will read this passage? A little bit darker here. Oh, Wait, you guys can switch off. Read part and then part. I don't care. Okay. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted at the louder, crucify him. Yeah, so look at this part. This is, this is like, uh, this is like, when somebody, when somebody asks you, you say, hey, I want you to do this. And they go, why, why should I do it? And you say, just because. Just do it. Stop asking questions. That's what they're saying. Pilate says, well, why should I crucify this guy? He's, he seems like an okay guy. And they're like, crucify him. That's why. That's not an answer. What are they saying? Yes. Yeah, they just want him dead. Yeah, so they just want him dead. They want him crucified. That's all it is. So keep reading. Keep going. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead the uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. Okay, keep reading. All the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Then he released Barbaras to them, but he had Jesus flogged and hand them over to be crucified. Good. And, and this guy, Barabbas, they, they release? Here you go. Toss it up here. This guy, Barabbas, he's like a terrorist. He's, he's an awful, awful human being. He definitely committed murder. And yet, this is who they'd rather have than Jesus, who lived a sinless holy, pure, and obedient life. And, and, and Jesus, even, even this, even in the crucifixion, even as we watch the crucifixion occur, Jesus is being obedient, right? The night before he's crucified, he's in the garden, and it says that as he's praying, as he's praying, God, he says, God, if, if this is your will, then I'll do it. But if it's not your will, don't make me do this. And it says he started to sweat blood. The blood started to come out of his pores. And sometimes you read that and you go, oh, that's weird. That's symbolic language. But, it, but that's a real condition. That really happens. But normally, every other time that it's documented, most of the other times that it's documented, it's, it's in people who are about to be 
killed by capital punishment. It's been documented in men who were in the electric chair who are going to be executed. And, and it said that they, they began to sweat blood. It's in, been documented in hangings when men were going to be hung and they had the noose around their neck and the hood over their head and they were about to drop them. They would start to sweat blood. Because what happens at that moment when you know that your death is imminent and you know you're going to die, your body tenses up to the point that the, even the, the muscles around the follicles of your hair constrict and rupture. The, they rupture the capillaries and you begin to bleed through your pores. But here's the thing. Jesus wasn't on the cross when this happened. He was praying in a garden. But he knew that this was where he was going to go. At that moment, he had the same realization that guys have when they're strapped in the electric chair and they know there's no other option but what's about to happen to them. But Jesus, even though he knew that and he had plenty of time to run, he didn't. He was obedient. So look at this. If we look at the welcome that Jesus got on earth, it's not fair, right? Jesus came to earth. He's celebrated by angels, but yet people crucify him for no reason. There couldn't have been a reason, right? And even when they're pressed for a reason, they say, just do it, just do it. Let me just throw something out. I'm, I'm wrapping up here. I, I want you guys to understand something. If you live like Jesus, there are going to be people that do not like you. Now, now the angels, they celebrate it. But you probably aren't going to see the angels celebrating it. But I want you to understand something, that this is important, and, and, and I left it out last hour, and I'm very sorry I left out this line, but this is so important for you to understand. You can try your best to please people. You can try your best to get people to like you, and some of them won't. You can try your best to get people to accept you, and some of them won't. You can try your best to be someone that people like, and some people won't. But, when you try your best to be accepted by God, He always does. When you try your best to do what God wants you to do, you always do. When you try your best to be accepted by Him, you always are. When you try your best to be loved by Him, you always are. God loves you as much now as He ever will. And nothing about this world is welcoming to us. Everything about this world is risky and messy and dirty and messes us up. Everything about this world sh shouts out rejection, frustration, anger, you know? But God doesn't want us to have that life. That's why he sent Jesus into the world. God wants us to understand that we are accepted by him and that he celebrates us. Now, does that mean that you don't try to live a life like Jesus, a sinless, pure, um, holy, and obedient life? No, that's exactly what you should strive for. But understand, even when you fall short of that, you trying to do that pleases your Father in heaven. It pleases God. God celebrates that. 
So on this holiday, when we celebrate Jesus coming into the world, understand that Jesus knows exactly how you feel when you feel rejected. That Jesus knows exactly how you feel when you feel like people don't listen to you and don't, don't understand you. Jesus knows exactly how you feel when you feel like an outsider. And that's no reason to not follow. That's a good reason to follow him. All right. So let me pray for you guys and we'll be done. Lord, thank you for each one that's here. Lord, I pray that they will do their best to live a, a sinless, holy, pure, and obedient life. Not because the world is going to applaud them for that, but because you are. Because that's what you call us to. And when we try our best to do that, you applaud it and you love it. Lord, I just pray that um, as we go forth from this place and we celebrate this Christmas season, that we'll remember who you are and the world that you came into, the same world that we live in today, that's dirty and messy and ugly. And Lord, I just pray that, that as we live in this world, We'll remember your example and that we'll show ourselves to be followers of you. Thank you for all you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. I'll see you guys hopefully tonight.